Today's sermon text, Proverbs 4, verses 1 through 9. Hear, O sons, a father's instructions, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one inside of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your, heart, on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. This is God's word. Well, thank you. Um, I am very, very uh, grateful for the opportunity to preach in my home church today. I always love to, uh, I always love to preach. Anytime I, I rarely ever turn down an opportunity to preach. Uh, but now that renewal is our church home, uh, I'm just especially thrilled to be here. In many ways, this has been a second church home for Nancy and me for a long time. Uh, Since we've been uh, participating in the life of the church regularly beginning in July, um, uh, some folks have remembered very kindly uh, that I did a series on the book of Revelation back in 2010 on Wednesday nights back, uh, back on the Winchester campus. And, uh, a couple of years ago at this time, uh, I had the opportunity to lead a group of guys on some early Wednesday morning times, and that, that was a thrill, too. So it's really good to finally graduate to Sunday morning, so uh, <coughs> I'm glad for that. Uh, I'm really glad to see uh, uh, that we've, we've connected with long-term friends, uh, Chris and Becky and, and others that we've known, uh, as well as making uh, a brand new friends in the community here. So we're just absolutely happy to be here. I thank you for being willing to listen to an old guy today, all right? So uh, um, when when we look at the sermon passage today, I think you'll see perhaps that there's a little bit of uh, wisdom in uh, letting an older older person speak. Us old guys do have something to say. Uh, So uh, in our study in Proverbs, uh, we're continuing today, and I'm just really glad to be a part of the series where we've been looking at navigating life in a fallen world. And that's the theme that we've been following. I think we'll be in it, um, I don't know, till Christmas. I don't know. Chris hasn't told me how long we'll be uh, studying Proverbs together. But we're learning how, using the book of Proverbs, to navigate life in a fallen world. <clears throat> as, as we get into the... Uh, uh, message of the day, I want to invite you, first of all, keep your finger in Proverbs chapter 4. Now, whether that's a digital finger in your app or whether you have a hard copy Bible, I'm going to be mainly focusing attention in uh, Proverbs 4 today. But as we start turning our attention there, I want to ask you a question. Who are the influencers in the United States today? Who would you say are some of the influencers in our world. You can be thinking about that. You can call them out if you want to, but as I was thinking about that for myself, I was thinking that maybe pop stars have a great deal of influence. 
There are certain people, if I mention their one name, we all know who they are. What if I say Pharrell or Adele or Beyonce? We don't even need last names to know. They are people of influence. What about sports heroes? If I say Steph Curry or Serena or Brady, we all know who they are and they make a lot of money in advertising. <laughs> Uh, movie stars, Tom Hanks and uh, Will Smith and Scarlett Johansson. Uh, maybe we'd even think of tech leaders like uh, Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg. We might. But I want us to, to go back, push back about 3,000 years to the ancient land of Israel and ask a question, who in the ancient land of Israel were the influencers. When the book of Proverbs was written, who were the people of influence? And actually, the prophet Jeremiah gives a big clue. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18, in verse 18, Jeremiah says this, The law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Three categories of people that had influence in the world. I almost think I wish I would like to live back in the day when those were the kind of people that influenced society. Who were these three influencers? Well, the priests were the ones that took care of religious regulation, duties to God and to others. They represented the people before God when animal sacrifices were offered. The prophets were the ones that call people to accountability to God. They represented God to the people. And the people needed challenging because they needed to repent of their sins. And then there were the wise, the wise men. The wise men, the sages, they were the ones that interpreted God's wisdom for everyday people. Now, our pastor has taught us that wisdom's definition is Living life skillfully for the glory of God. And I like that definition real well. If you have a hard copy of your Bible, I would just write that at the top of the book of Proverbs, if I were you. I'll also give you my definition, which may not be any better, but it's my definition that I came up with before I heard Chris's. And it's just godly judgment. Living according to godly judgment. Godly judgment. And I think if we are God's people we'd agree that we want to live according to godly judgment. Now, these three kinds of people, the priests, the prophets, and and the wise men, actually, if you think about it, correspond to the three sections of the Bible in the Old Testament. There were the books of the law, there were the books of the prophets, and there were the books of wisdom. And Proverbs belongs to the section of the Old Testament that we call the books of wisdom, the books of godly judgment. So just to review a little bit, not all of us have been here for the whole series, the wisdom books are really unusual in that, for one thing, I think they're about the easiest section of Scripture to pass right over. I mean, do you have trouble reading Job like I do? (laughs) Or Ecclesiastes? Uh, I think we would all say... They're part of God's word, so we need to pay attention to them. Uh, But they're easy to skip. 
they're unusual. The content can't be dated very well. Uh, there aren't very many stories or narratives. Uh, there are sometimes little vignettes, little, little, little bitty snippets of stories. Uh, if you were here last week, you'll remember the little vignette about uh, Lady Wisdom and, and Lady Folly, Folly and the contrast there. But the books of wisdom are also unusual because they address either highbrow issues or everyday issues. Highbrow issues are everyday issues. Highbrow wisdom issues are those kind of deep questions that can really haunt us, that require godly judgment to answer them well. There's three books of what I call highbrow wisdom. They're the kinds of things that are head scratchers. Uh, The book of Job, for example. Where is God in the presence of evil and suffering? Where, Where was God in Las Vegas last Sunday night. Those are, those are tough questions when, when suffering and evil comes to us. And, and uh, we don't always think about those every day, but it's time. There's sometimes where we just need to scratch our heads and think about that kind of question. Or Ecclesiastes. What, would you, what should we do when everything seems empty? When you live life and you've done everything... And when everything just seems like nothing, what should you do? There's a book for that. It's Ecclesiastes. And then Song of Solomon. What does being in love have to do with intimacy? That's a mystery, isn't it? Falling in love, getting married, how does all of that work? What does being in love have to do with with intimacy? And so those are the, those are the kind of what I call highbrow wisdom issues, but we're focusing on everyday issues, the everyday issues, the questions that we have about how do we navigate everyday life with godly judgment, with skill that comes from God. And the book for that's Proverbs. So that's the book that we're looking at. Now, as we've been studying, we've been looking at Proverbs for a number of weeks, I want to uh, just remind us that as we approach Proverbs, we'll do better when we keep in mind a couple of guidelines. First of all, we need to remember the Bible is an anthology, kind of like, well, if, if you're under 30, you may not know what this is. Uh, <laughs> this is a Sunday newspaper. I picked it up on my way here. Uh, uh, back when I was a kid, shortly after Noah left the ark, uh, uh, this was the way we got our news. And it was the highlight of my Sunday afternoon to read the Sunday paper. But I learned as a kid, I can't read the front page the same way I do the editorial page. I can't read the sports section the same way I do the real estate section. I've got to know the guidelines for reading each section of the newspaper. And the Bible's the same way. Uh, the book of Proverbs is not the law. It's not the prophets. Uh, the book of Proverbs is not an epistle. It's not really even the gospel. Although the gospel is everywhere in Scripture. So in interpreting any part of the Bible, we need to ask what kind of writing is in there? What part of the paper is it anyway? Uh, this is a collection of different kinds of books. But also, 
Proverbs, all the wisdom books, they really assume a gospel foundation. The gospel is not as explicit. The good news of a relationship with God is not as clearly laid out throughout the book of Proverbs as we might have expected. In Proverbs chapter 4 that we're looking at today, you really won't find God mentioned at all directly. But the gospel is there. It shows up in phrases like this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. There's the gospel. Isn't that what we do when we come to Christ? We trust in the Lord with all our our heart? Or when we hear phrases like, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's the gospel. But for the most part, the gospel is the foundation for Proverbs. It doesn't keep repeating. It's like the foundation for your house. It's there. We're glad it's there. We need a strong foundation for the rest of the structure to stand. So Proverbs is written to people that already know the gospel, if I can use New Testament language, or in Old Testament terms, Proverbs is for people that are already in a covenant relationship with God. It is for people that already know who God is. Now, Proverbs was written by a king who was also a wise man, Solomon. Around 1000 BC, it's hard for me to think back what 3000 years ago might have looked like. In, in his first nine chapters, which is what our church series is focusing on, we're looking particularly at a father's invitation to wisdom. And then after chapter 9, the book of Proverbs becomes what I call zingers. Uh, just little one or two line uh, thoughts that are given almost without a context. I just pulled up a couple this morning. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Mic drop. Right? Just, just, just there. But beginning, uh, we have that in the last part, but in chapter 4 particularly, we are looking at what Solomon is, is saying to his own son about the way he was taught by his father. So as we look at chapter 4 of Proverbs, and we're ready to, to dig in, uh, I want us to see that the overall theme of, of this chapter in Proverbs is that we should long to be a channel for wisdom. We should long to be a channel for wisdom. Uh, Solomon was the second king of a line of kings, a dynasty. You remember who his daddy was? His daddy was David. David was the first king in the line. And God made a covenant with David about a line of kings that would last. Solomon was the first fulfillment. And our Lord Jesus, whom we've praised today, is the final fulfillment. So that, that promise God has kept. Now, Solomon's parents were David and, and Bathsheba, a beautiful woman uh, with whom David had had an affair. They eventually married and had four children. Solomon was the oldest kid. Now, David, Solomon's daddy, taught him about the covenant, taught him about the importance of wisdom, taught him godly judgment. We don't know exactly how the education system worked, but when Solomon grew up and started a family, 
his firstborn son was named Rehoboam, who eventually became king after him. And Solomon remembered how his daddy had taught him, and so he taught Rehoboam. And that's what Proverbs 4 is about. Solomon is remembering in front of Rehoboam how David had taught him. And so just as Solomon longs for his child to be a channel of wisdom, as Solomon is channeling wisdom from his father down through himself to his son, this applies to us as well. So, y'all were channels, were pipes. We may be somewhere at the end of the channel, and we have a choice as to whether we're going to be channels for good stuff like wisdom or for bad stuff. This is just plain old PVC. And the point is not how great we are, but what are we channeling? What are we channeling? So the challenge for this message is I want us to long to be a channel for wisdom. Lord, let me be a channel for wisdom. So if you have your fingers in Proverbs chapter 4, let me just walk us through the verses that were read in front of us. Solomon invites his sons to pay attention. Now, this is a real-world situation where daddy is teaching son, but I want the uh, the young ladies and the moms in here to say this applies equally to you as well. It's, it's parents and children, and it's also not just biological. It applies to us and the family of faith here. So hear the invitation, verses 1 and 2. Solomon's got his little boys in front of him. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. I want you to just try and picture that. Solomon's got his little boys sitting around him. And then Solomon remembers how David taught him. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me. He taught me. So he's looking back a generation. And here's the, main, the first thing that Solomon says David taught him. Quote, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. In other words, Wisdom can be a lifelong benefit. What we learn early days that's along the way of godly judgment, skill for living, godly living, will last a lifetime. As a matter of fact, I think in some ways what Solomon says that he remembered David teaching here is what we might today call discipleship or mentorship. It applies first To those of us here that are still in the process of rearing our own biological kids or the kids that we have in our, that we are responsible for. We need to disciple them. We're open to mentoring them. So it applies first to the, to the parents and the nuclear family and their children. But again, I believe that it's equally applicable to those of us in the family of faith, that we have a challenge, we have a responsibility of passing on wisdom to the next generation and the next generation. So wisdom has lifelong benefits. And then Solomon says this, 
Wisdom must be an intentional quest. You don't get wise by accident. Verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly. She will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. And again, Becoming a wise person is not something we stumble into one day. It's something that we need to commit ourselves to. And that's part of the challenge of of today's message. This series is, do we want to be people that are committed to wisdom? Do we want to be wise? The key to to becoming wise is wanting to become wise in some ways, he says. And if I can transpose that from Old Testament to New Testament... The key to becoming Christ-like is to want to become Christ-like. It's it's the same kind of principle. It's our desire. It's our commitment that we have. And then in in verse 9, Solomon goes on to say, Wisdom is its own reward. Wisdom is its own reward. Verse 9, She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Now, we don't get the garland and the crown bit culturally today, but I think he's saying wisdom will be acknowledged and appreciated. It's its own reward. So the bottom line, as I see it for these these first nine verses, long to be a channel of wisdom. Uh, We can long for that. Whether we're kids here today, longing to learn from our parents, whether we're parents today, passing it on to our kids, whether we're looking for a spiritual mentor or looking for someone to disciple in the life of this church. What's your longing? Do you long to be a channel for wisdom? That's the first nine verses. Now, you'll see in... You'll see in the... uh, Next set of verses, verses 10 to 19, that Solomon moves on. He speaks to his son again. Verse 10, recognize the only two ways to live. There's only two ways. Only two ways to live. Wisdom or folly. So if you're committed to wisdom, realize that there's really only two choices, wisdom or folly. Um, I'm just going to read through these verses and just uh, make a few comments along the way. But again, Solomon is talking to his son. Hear, my son, accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I've taught you the way of wisdom. I've led you in the paths of uprightness. This challenges us. Where, Where are we? Where are we as channels of wisdom? Will we receive it if we're sons and daughters at home? If we're mothers and fathers here today, are we going to pass it on? Spiritually, mothers and fathers, biologically, mothers and fathers. Wisdom is a lifetime choice, verses 11 and, or 12 and following. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. If you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. 
turn away from it and pass on. When Solomon talks about steps and and walking and being in the path, I I believe he's reminding us that even for those in covenant relationship with God, even for disciples of Jesus, wisdom is something we have to decide on every day. We've got to choose. Are we going to be in the path? Are we going to stay in the wise way or not? That's a choice we make. Verses 16 and 17, a contrast. Folly sucks others into destruction. Folly sucks others into destruction. They cannot sleep unless they've done wrong, he says, verse 16. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made somebody stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. And Solomon uses these everyday activities of going to bed and waking up and eating and drinking to say that folly never quits. Uh, my other translation of folly is stupid. Uh, y'all, there's, there's just too many chances to be stupid, isn't there? Aren't there? And we've got to watch out. We've got to watch out. Folly will just suck us into it. And Solomon is aware of that. And, and, and so then in verse 18, he talks about wisdom as, as the way of light. Wisdom is the way of the light, the light of the world. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Do you hear two paths? There's really only two paths. There's the way of wisdom and the way of folly. There's the way of godly judgment or the way of stupid. We have have a choice. I wonder, I just wondered as as I was preparing this message, whether our Lord Jesus Christ was remembering sitting at the feet of Joseph and hearing something about wisdom and covenant and Joseph quoting the book of Proverbs to Jesus and that Jesus remembered from a child that there were only two ways to live, wisdom and folly. In the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 7, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. What do you think? Sounds like wisdom versus folly to me. The narrow way or the broad way? By the way, in the words of our Lord, there's clearly an entrance to the gate of salvation there, isn't there? So the gateway going to the narrow way of wisdom. And again, I I hope that we're seeing the message of wisdom is scripture-wide. It's not just limited to the book of Proverbs. Well, we've looked at the first few verses, long to be a channel for wisdom, We've looked at the middle section of chapter 4. Recognize there's only two ways 
wisdom or folly, I want to take a look now finally at the last few verses. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Now, in these last few verses, verses 20 to 27, Solomon gets real literal. He talks about guarding your heart, but he's not talking about your blood pumper, right? He's talking about your inner being. He's talking about the center of our affections. He's talking about where our will is, what we've determined to be and to do. He talks about the heart, but then he uses other parts of our bodies and he brings them in to the verses. He talks about ears and tongues and eyes and feet. It's really striking in these last few verses that he brings in these literal parts of our body. So let me read these verses and then a few thoughts about guard your heart or as we might have heard on TV commercials, how do we stay heart healthy? How do we stay heart healthy in the sense of our inner self? Verse 20, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked crooked speech. Put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward. Let your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So what's Solomon saying here? First of all, in verse 20, he says, mind your ears. Did you know what we listen to matters? What we listen to matters. We've got lots of choices on what we listen to. And Solomon says, incline your ears to wise sayings, wisdom. In verse 24, he says, mind your tongue. Did you know that we become like what we talk about? Uh, Our Lord Jesus himself said, Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more comes from evil. And Paul in Colossians 4 and 6 said, Let your your speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt. Mind your tongue. Solomon also says, Mind your eyes. Did you know what we look at matters? Our first mother, Eve, looked too hard and too long at the forbidden fruit. The devil tried to tempt Jesus with a beautiful sight, all the kingdoms of the world, and our Lord turned away. What we look at matters. And then finally, you'll see at the end of the chapter, mind your feet, in verses 26 and 27. Our feet can take us to places we don't want to go that will lead us astray. For Solomon, the point is that where we plant our feet determines whether we're staying on the narrow path or not. 
ponder the path for your feet, verse 26, then your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So, what do I want us to take away this morning? What are the challenges from this 3,000-year-old education lesson of a dad remembering what his dad had taught him as he taught his children? I hope you see the point of my message title, Generational Wisdom, Keep It Going. Keep it going. We have a challenge. We're here at this moment in the early 21st century. Did you know that there's no guarantees about what will happen in the 2020s and the 2030s unless we are faithful and keep it going? Keep it going. So I challenge you. Will you long to be a channel for wisdom? Is that what you really long for? Will you do it? That's my prayer. Will you recognize that there's only two ways to live? Wisdom or folly. There's no middle ground, folks. It's either the wise way or the foolish way. And then the final challenge, the final takeaway, guard your heart. Guard your heart. And the way we can guard our heart, Solomon says, is by minding what happens to our ears, our tongue, our eyes, and our feet. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask that you would give each of us a burning desire as your children to be channels for wisdom, that we would want to be people that pass it on. Lord, I pray for moms and dads here today that are in the middle of teaching their own kids the way of wisdom, that you would help them to be faithful. Lord, I pray for those of us in this congregation that you would show us our place in being channels of wisdom as we seek to be on the path of godly judgment. Thank you for Solomon. Thank you for this word today. Would you encourage us? Would you enable us through your spirit? In Jesus' name, amen.